I want to welcome those who are with us in February. I want to welcome you back and welcome those who are uh, new to us. Uh, we started the uh, Partners with Purpose Ministry last February, and the plan was at that particular time uh, we have membership meetings uh, twice a year that meet four consecutive weeks. So the plan was is that we were going to use those four consecutive weeks twice a year to be able to uh, have time for the uh, basically the marriage ministry, the partners with a purpose. Well, we were able to, last time, the first uh, first time we met, we kind of went through an outline with everything that the is going to be involved, different things that we're going to go over in the Partners with a Purpose ministry. And then the next three weeks, we went into uh, the Art of Marriage. We did the first three sessions. Well, here we are in July, and I mean, I knew that there was going to be a big gap, but it's, um, you know, it's a pretty big gap. So we've got some plans, what we're going to try to do to just to try to bring us together a little bit more uh, moving forward, uh, starting in the fall, and I'll get to those in just a minute. Uh, just a few uh, housekeeping items. Uh, we still have about a handful of books left, so if you're new and you still need a book, they're $10. Uh, we're going through The Art of Marriage. Uh, so we still have five books left. If you have a, if you want to raise your hand, uh, John has a few books in the back. So if you need a book, just uh, raise your hand. We can get that for you. Uh, again, I encourage uh, couples to be able to go through the sessions that we go through uh, today. So we're going to be going through session four today. That you would go through the book uh, this coming week. And then next week we'll do obviously session five. But I really encourage it. Uh, my wife and I, we go through these uh, in preparing for them. And it's uh, excellent conversation. They have excellent content in the book. So I really encourage you to do that and to work through them. Now, one thing I'll tell you, and I can show you later on how to do it, but you even have access to the uh, the DVD videos for The Art of Marriage as well. And I can show you how to get to it. So if you want to look at some of them, maybe you weren't here for the first three, um, we can... Uh, you can go through those as well. Also, we have everything uh, taped uh, from our sessions. It's on the on our website under media, audio, and then we have a little icon for uh, uh, partners with purpose, so you can go in there to listen to that as well. If you are new, the f- format is is that I just give some uh, introductions and uh, we talk about just kind of reviewing the session that we went through last week. We go through the new session that we have. It's uh, DVD-led. And then after that, we have some questions that we just kind of work through the material. And then again, I encourage uh, you as couples to go through the material um, this coming week. Moving forward, like I said, it's pretty difficult to meet twice a year and then have anything real meaningful. You do kind of lose a little bit of steam. So... uh, Moving forward, what we're looking to do is is that on Sunday nights that we're not meeting for community groups, so that would be we meet community groups on the first and third Sunday night of the month, so it would be the, uh, the second and the fourth, we would have some availability to be able to get together. So it will be at least on a monthly basis, maybe with some of um, the programs that we go through, it'll be we'll meet more than uh, once a month and we'll continue to go through it. Our plan is right now, and one of the reasons why I wanted to move this was, number one, so we can meet uh, more frequently, but also it allows more time for us to really to be able to kind of 
work through the material. I'd like to use a, um, a little bit more with uh, small groups in being able to, uh, to do that. We're going to try to look at some uh, providing some child care so that uh, if you have little ones and you're unable to find some uh, child care that you can uh, utilize us for that. And then also, one of the things I'd like to be able to do too, certainly with the uh, new program that we're going to start in the fall, the art of parenting is, is that I would like to open this up to the parents of our daycare. So the, the parents that uh, send their children to our daycare, I'd like to be able to open that up to them. So once we get through that, it's an, it's a eight session uh, program. Then we will be going through a book for married couples. So we'll be working through that. And then next fall, we will go through Financial Peace University again. So next fall, we'll do that. And then again, I would like to be able to invite the parents of our uh, children that go to our daycare as well to uh, to come to that. So we'd like to try to um, you know, have an open invitation for them and try to be able to incorporate them into what we're doing with the, uh, with the Partners with Purpose. So anyway, just to kind of give, we really don't have much time. Our DVD today is 26 minutes, so we'll have to fly here. But just to kind of give some highlights of where we've been in the first three sessions and where we're going in the fourth session. Uh, in the first session, it was Love Happens, God's Purpose and uh, Plan for Marriage. Uh, the purpose uh, for marriage is to obviously to glorify God, but we're reflecting His character back to Him. So everything that is in God's Word is governs our marriage and we wanted to make sure that we laid that out because it will help settle disputes and different things thoughts that we had um, in our marriages so this helps govern our marriages also we settled the issue is your spouse the one and they really talked about it and maybe some of you have had that thought is this spouse the spouse i'm married to is it the one and if you're married to them and they're sitting next to you, they're the one. Okay, that's settled. We don't need to move on. If there's issues that we need to kind of work through, then let's let's work through them. But uh, we settled that issue. Now, session two was love fades, overcoming isolation, and we learned that um, that our spouses are a gift from God, and and there's also God-given differences between the two of us. Um, that we need to appreciate. And for some of us, that might be some new news that, um, that our differences are God-given. And we need to be able to, uh, to appreciate that. So we learn to be able to complement one another, that we complement each other. And we're not there to compete with one another. And our spouse is not the enemy. So we work through that. And then certainly if we don't appreciate those differences then it does lead to isolation. So we see those differences. We don't look at it as that, that uh, the Lord's using that to complement us, but we look at it as competition. And then eventually what happens is those differences will lead your marriage apart. And we've all experienced that from time to time, so we need to understand that our differences are a gift from God. And then in session three, love dances, fulfilling our responsibility. Uh, God has uh, created each of us equal, but we do have different roles to play. And it, and it talked about the different roles that husbands play and the different uh, roles that wives play. So we looked at that last time. So this leads us into session four, which is love interrupted. It's about communication and conflict. 
And as I mentioned, that uh, my wife and I, we work, we work through the material before we come uh, uh, before you. And I will just tell you that this is a very good session. And we've got to learn how to appreciate our differences. Now, there's going to be things that we're going to need to be able to talk with one another regarding. Maybe there's a history of a certain thing happening or whatever, but we've got to be able to do that, but do that in love. But it's not looking at that one thing that's just driving me nuts, and we've got to be able to handle it in the right way. So um, hopefully we'll be able to uh, get some good uh, counsel on that in session four. Every couple deals with anger. Some of us are going to have a quicker fuse. Some are going to stuff and simmer and stew. Some are going to blow up. Some repress it. Anger pushes the issue away. If I'm mad at you, then I'm going to push you away and keep you at bay, and we're not going to have to deal with the issue. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. James 4, 1 through 2a. James asks an interesting question, and I think it's a question that we've, we've all asked from time to time. It's, it's a question that every married couple asks, and that is, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And, uh, and, and what's so interesting about the way James answers that question is that he doesn't locate our anger, our, our quarreling in the other person. He doesn't locate it in our past. He doesn't locate it in our experience of oppression or in the way that we were parented. He, he locates it in our passions that are at war within us. So all of a sudden, we, we have this radical transformation in how we understand anger. That it, that somebody else can't make me angry. That only I can make myself angry. And it particularly and specifically, it's, it's sin in me. It's passions that are at work against God that just make me want my way. I think most of anger in marriage comes from exactly where most sinful anger comes from in any situation. It's from an idolatry of the ego. Where does marriage always go wrong? It's when I want the right to set the rules by which this relationship would work. That's at the bottom of every marriage difficulty. Whether it's, I don't want to have to say I'm sorry. Or I don't have to always want to be nice to you. All right, some days I don't feel like serving you. That's taking God's position. That's writing my own law. And then what I want from you is I want you to keep my law. Now I'm angry, not because you've broken God's law. I'm angry because you've broken my law. Think about it. Think how little of our anger has anything to do with the kingdom of God at all. There's many faces to, to anger. And so for some people, they hear the word anger, and they, there's a traditional face of a person exploding, throwing stuff, slamming doors, cursing, yelling, screaming. 
I think there's 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 a passive side to anger too. It's kind of the silent assassin. Where you just go, oh, okay, I hear you. Anger undealt with kills. And one of the things it kills is it kills relationships, kills marriage. There were very few people who knew what really went on inside our home. Whenever we got in our discussions, I, I felt like I couldn't control the emotion that was going on inside of me. I was a button pusher, and I knew what buttons to push. My anger would just flare out of control, and it would turn into an, an explosion. From friendly to horrible in a matter of seconds. I think he felt like things were swirling. I could out-talk him. I could... I could take the entire situation, no matter what I had done in it, it could be about Hans. It could be his fault. We were in an argument, and I grabbed her as hard as I could, and I threw her down on the bed. I had this little bit of justification that because I didn't actually physically lay a fist on her and um, blacken a part of her body, that it really wasn't as bad as what she was saying it was. I was really afraid at that point because we were married and we had a baby, and things were not getting better. So while he was gone for a week, I had become very involved in an affair. I pulled up in the driveway, and uh, Star met me um, there with her bags packed with our then two-year-old daughter, Kylie. And um, we went through the exchange of, what are you doing? And she says, I'm leaving. I'm like, why? And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> why? I expected my parents to just receive me with, you know, loving arms. And when I got to uh, to their house and explained to them what was going on, they said, if you're going to live in our house, um, you need to go to marriage counseling. I had started out that counseling session um, ranting and raving about how Star was doing this wrong and doing that wrong. I started throwing God's word in there and that, you know, she's not doing this. She's not respecting me. I mean, the Bible says that I deserve to be respected right? He took a long pause and he started to read Philippians 2 to me. Jesus came to this earth and deserved everything. He deserved for people to bow down at his feet. He deserved for all the riches in the world. And he had a biblical right to all those things. And yet he chose to take the nature of a servant and he chose to surrender those rights to God the Father. And as I looked at my life and I looked at Jesus' life and I saw the the, the huge gap in between the two, um, the lights came on for me. I had accepted Jesus for my forgiveness of my past sins so that I could spend eternity with him forever. But I was missing the gospel of the now. And I was missing the gospel and its effect and its impact on me today. And from that point on, my anger was um, in a totally different perspective. He was changing. And I didn't like that because everyone either knew or suspected that they knew what I was doing and he was becoming this great guy and no one really knew the ins and outs of why I left. We would fight and I would push all the same buttons and he did not respond the way that I was used to him responding. I mean, you have to understand, <laughs> my life was radically transformed. I remember being very drawn to the man that he was becoming, but now the relationship was dead. I decided I was going to go to counseling. Two to three sessions and then be done. That way I can say that I tried and it just didn't work. 
and so I was going to pursue a divorce. I vented everything to him about why there was just no way that we were going to make it. And he just listened. And then he looked at me in the eye very intently and said, Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? And I said, Yes, I believe that. He said, You think that God can take a dead man and raise him to life to save you, but you don't think he can heal your marriage. And so I turned to God this much. It takes uh, 100% dependency on Christ in, in the moment, in the now. And it looks like constant confession and repentance for me. A light that had been shut off came on, and I wondered, what if God could do it? Last week, I, I had a conflict with Kim. I, I was harsh in the way I said something. I do that from time to time. And she was kind enough to point it out. I was convicted. I had the opportunity to repent. See, I, I can have hope that there will be change in my tendencies to be harsh and, and at the times I say stupid things because there is a gospel that provides literal power for change. The DNA of sin is selfishness. And when it's all about me, when it's about my wants, my needs, my feelings, I tend to get irritated over the littlest stupidest things. Love does cover a multitude of sins. And so there are many things, lots of things that that need to be overlooked. Some people can be offended by someone not buttering the toast to the margins of the bread. Uh, there are some things that simply aren't worth conflict. And so there is some offendedness that really says more about us. We'll make a federal case out of the towel that's been dropped on the floor. I can't believe you would do this to me, that you would drop towels on the floor. I can't believe I'm married to a dropper. My dad was a dropper, and I've married a dropper. It's a towel hole. I mean, come on. The fact is we're offended by a whole lot of things that are not principle. They're not matters of character. They're not matters of consequence. They're matters that say more about, well, our offense than anything done by or intended by the offender. And there is a glory in saying, wow, that really tells me something about me. I need to let that go. I'm going to add it to the list of things I can't afford to let myself be offended by. There are some things that over time simply need to be addressed. And, and this is most important where you have decisions to make that are of consequence. Uh, children, finances, budget, uh, entertainment relationships, investments. There are all kinds of things like this where a, a couple can, can easily find any number of grounds for offense. Uh, and, and that's where you really do need to say, okay, we're going to talk about this. I've got to talk about this. When we begin to see that it's compromising and undermining relationship, then I think we have a warrant. We have a responsibility to act, to act in love, to act by giving voice to act by correcting or admonishing our, our spouse or our friend. There is a responsibility both for the husband to the wife and the wife to the husband to confront when there is an issue of error. We need to make sure we're doing so with the right motivations, with sincerity of heart. We need to make sure that there's not a log in our eye before we go to, uh, to speak about the speck in our spouses. There needs to be a time of prayer. And so it's very difficult 
for a wife to confront her husband or a husband to confront his wife in rage if that person has been praying specifically for and not praying god show me to be right in this but praying and saying god i'm praying for her i'm praying that she that our marriage would be joyful out of this and our marriage would be fruitful out of this and so a time of prayer and reorienting the the attitudes and praying and saying god would you have the evidence the fruit of the spirit in this confrontation don't let me do anything out of rivalry or selfish ambition don't let me try to vindicate myself and prove myself to be right but instead one flesh cultivating one another and so sometimes that means that there needs to be a gap between when the issue is seen and when the confrontation takes place what happens for me is when i go to god god in his grace always gives me greater insight because the spirit now will work in my heart and so the confession i will, i will make then will be deeper uh it will be less uh weakened by blame shifting or excuse making because God has tenderized my heart and he's given me greater insight in order to be reconciled there there's got to be truth telling there's got to be honesty you know speaking the truth in love we find again in Ephesians chapter 4 but what's the goal that will grow up in all aspects into him who's the head so it's how i speak i i speak words that edify no corrupting talk coming out of my mouth it's why i speak it's speaking with a view toward that person being edified and built up into the head who is christ um and it's it's when i speak as fits the occasion you know all of those things and again i we we've just we're covering most of the chapter in <laughs> chapter 4 there in ephesians but these are the principles that we find there in ephesians chapter 4 um so my my words my words need to be words that are loving that are filled with grace uh, that are appropriate that have as their goal the building up of the other uh, and they they need to be words that are spoken in due season so i need to think about when so when things are kind of blowing up that might not be the best time for me to address this other issue that i've been thinking about for a while <laughs> I think the key is having a habit of open communication, having a habit of um, talking about these things and not letting them linger and fester. I, I think we come as fellow sinners. I think we come as we come asking questions rather than bringing conclusions. We come helping with the hope of helping another sinner connect with the Savior. and not simply to satisfy us or to bring peace in in the marriage peace is important but that's not the ultimate point the ultimate point is is connecting another sinner to the savior that should be the goal what pushes my buttons well, i always ask him you know did your mother have you clean up after yourself cuz he'll just be like oh i forgot i didn't i didn't think about that feeling like there's a lack of respect he might not be very considerate sometimes. You're so lazy. You have two hands and two feet. Get up and make yourself a bagel. Like or make me a bagel, why not? Most fights end up spurring from these very minor emotional disconnects. Well, the last argument we had was about us announcing our pregnancy. I didn't realize it was an issue until <laughs> until just now. Uh still 
but I also learned that a lot of these things aren't issues until many of them are piled up. But it wasn't always like that. When you're fighting, you both everybody thinks they're right. I'll say, let's be ready at two o'clock. I want to walk out of the door at two, and then at like two fifteen, she'll ask me if I was serious. He'll say it in a way like he's like in the military or something, giving me a command. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Blah 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 blah. We kind of backtrack into like past issues, and then it was like, okay, no, let's talk about this issue. I say this, you say that, and back and forth, back and forth. The only time I really feel like there's any guilt is if, like, deep down, you're like, all right, I'm probably not ready. I'm probably just arguing to win this. Sometimes, you know, the emotion overtakes the logic. He felt belittled or like less of a person, or that I was insulting him in some way. I would love for time to stop. And let's rewind a little bit and then go back and re-race what I just said. It's kind of like that. It sort of comes down to emotional self selfishness. Sometimes the things you love most about someone are the things you end up picking on. For like a split second, it feels justified, but then you know that you've really hurt the person that you love the most, and that's... That's the worst feeling in the world. I don't know. I feel like after three years, like we should be better at um, loving each other. I'm really sorry. I couldn't be more sorry for the things that I've done in the past. You know that I love you. That's not the way that I meant to handle it. Just need you to be on my side. I'm an idiot, and I never intended to hurt you ever. I just kind of got a little carried away. To that extent, you know, sort of a breach in trust. Sorry for not listening. <laughs> I say things and attack you. I would never intend to make you feel that way. Sometimes it's just not even worth dissecting. I'm so sorry. Just, just hug me. Just hold me. If you are asking for for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. Don't continue the argument. Come in and say, "Will you forgive me?" for failing to lead you or failing to love you or failing to submit to you or whatever the issue is rather than coming in and saying if I've done anything to offend you forgive me which is another way of saying get over it you oversensitive person <laughs> that's no one is going to receive that well I need to ask to be forgiven I, I need to say the words would you please forgive me um, and would you pray for me as I uh, continue to grow in grace and pray that God would continue to shape a character so that I'm less and less the kind of person who would do that. Um, that it, it's not, you know, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. Well, no, I, I might, <laughs> I, I probably will. <laughs> and that's why there's that last caveat, you know, um, because I don't want to promise things that I can't deliver on. Um, so yes, it was it was sinful. It was wrong, and and here's why it was. And I I I, I really really want you to forgive me. Would you please forgive me? And would you please pray for me? Because I don't want to be that guy. And it's only by the grace of God that that will be transformed in me. Times when Jose will come to me and ask me to forgive him for something that's happened, and I'm just really not ready. I'm kind of want to stew in it for a little while. I'm, I just kind of like 
I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, you know, can we talk about this later? There have been times whenever he said, can we talk about something? And I know what he wants to talk about with mm -hmm. me. And I'm like, not now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can relate Give to that. Give me 15 minutes. <laughs> because there's times I'm just, I'm still angry and I've got to work through it. I think I need to talk with the Lord about time. this. You know, I don't think we have an option when it comes to forgiveness mm -hmm. as, as followers of Christ. I, I really believe the Bible clearly teaches that that we are to be professional forgivers as it were that mm. that we really we don't have the option to not forgive mm. i once heard someone say that uh, harboring unforgiveness in our hearts it's like drinking poison and expecting mm. the other person to die because it does something mm. devastating inside our own lives and inside mm -hmm. our own hearts well when you say we always hear the terms forgive and forget right. And that's just not true. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We're not given the ability just to forget that we've been hurt. And I don't think that gives us license then to bring that hurt up every time. But if it's still there, that means that there's something there. And it still needs to be worked on. Don't you think that's one of the reasons why people sometimes don't forgive is because they don't think that they'll be able to forget. So they Say hold that? on to it. Okay, well, they won't that. extend forgiveness because they're thinking that forgiveness means I have to forgive and right. forget. Yeah, that's true. And that's a crazy maker because you can never get there. Mm -hmm. And even God, while the Bible says that he remembers our sin no more, mm. do we really think that he just forgets it? Right. I mean, it's not what, that's not what that means, right? I mean, he, what it means is he's not holding it against us anymore. Right. He's not crazy and he forgets. Right. Uh, and so we don't have to be expected to forget either. I think it's appropriate to expect behavior to change too. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can grant forgiveness, right. but there I do. Has to I, be a change. Yeah, I do. I do hope to see a change of behavior. What I've learned through the years is that with Jen, uh, when I grant forgiveness, uh, you know, I've got to do it privately. I've, I've got to make sure, as we've all said, you got to almost take that time to go to the Lord and, and say, "I'm going to, I'm going to stop choosing to punish her." Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to choose instead to forgive her. But then I've got to take that next mm -hmm. step and do it publicly. Uh, to her and ask for and, and grant it to her. Uh, and then from from there, uh, I've got to do it graciously. Just just to admit that, you know what, forgiven people, I've been forgiven. How can I refuse forgiveness to her? Uh, and then to just do it generously and to say, you know, let's just um, the important thing here is not that 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 you're that I'm right or that you're right or that somebody's won an argument, but that a relationship is right. what really yeah, matters. I would think it's Two people that are, as Raymond said, professional forgivers. That's good. They know how to forgive, and they're selfless. They're unselfish people. And and when Michelle and I are living in that forgiveness mode and we're unselfish, marriage works. Yeah. It's pretty good. Every marriage kind of has those dark periods of time where it's just darkness. It was miserable. We... We were going to stay married because we just don't believe in divorce at all. So we were just going to be unhappily married for a long time. In our 17th year of marriage, I hit a, a rock bottom. I became depressed. And in, during my depression, I just uh, did some things that really hurt Tony, hurt him real badly and, and hurt our marriage. But we decided we wanted to save the marriage and, you know, that everything would, it was worth saving. If she'd address her issues and she'd stop doing the things that hurt the marriage, we'd be fine. So I said, I'll do my part. I'll work on it. And I did for a year and a half. And a year and a half later, it was still my fault. Everything was my weaknesses, my stubbornness, my selfishness, and I just couldn't get past this. 
I disconnected from Tony completely emotionally. I shut down. I went to a men's retreat, and that's when it just hit me. It was just a two-by-four experience to really say, there's not anything else you can blame. You can't blame your wife. You can't blame your past. You can't blame anything. You've got to take responsibility yourself. We went into our bedroom and he immediately got on his knees and um, he just started crying almost immediately. He said, I have to share something with you. Vanita, I forgive you for some painful things that have happened. I'm sorry that my pain has turned into anger and in the process I've abandoned my responsibilities to love you and nurture you and help you learn how to love me. Please help me change to love you unconditionally and to nurture you and teach you in a tender manner as my responsibility required. I'm sorry it took me so long to realize this. And then he asked me to forgive him. There was a lot of healing that just took place immediately um, for me. I just felt like for him to admit that was like unconditional. I, I knew that what he said was true. And that's what I needed to hear was that he loved me unconditionally. And if he could say that and mean it after all that we had been through, then it just brought a lot of healing for me. I was ready. I guess that's a, way, a good way to put it. I was just ready to go forward um, to trust him and to, to trust myself, to open up, to take steps, to start reconnecting. And, um, and I did have to test it a few times to see it, the, the next few arguments of when things got tense, is it, was it going to be me? And it wasn't. It was, let's talk this through. We'd see trust start to spring up, and uh, now we're enjoying some of the best years of our marriage, and it's taken a while to get there. There's a lot of freedom now to know that you're accepted uh, by your mate and that no matter what, if we could go through that, I know that we can go through anything. I couldn't imagine life with anybody else. I couldn't imagine it. Forgiven sinners forgive sin. That, that's what we're supposed to do. And, and we have been forgiven this extraordinary debt from the Master. And, and we are responsible then to turn and to forgive others as well, even when it's horrendous sin. Okay, we don't have a whole lot of time. We've only got like 10 minutes here to go through some questions. Might go a little bit longer, so... Um just a little bit of latitude on that uh, for this week. But um, anyway, last, what, what the fellow just said there was is that we're all sinners, and it's manifested itself in a lot of different ways. And um, looking at question two, if you have your book there, uh, just says, read James 4.1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires at battle within you? So, as stated on the video, this scripture uh, doesn't locate the cause of our anger 
in another person or even in our past, but in our inner passions. Why is it important to understand this in order to deal with properly with anger? Hun, you want to come up here, please? So why is it important to understand this in, in order to deal with properly with anger? It's appropriate that we have crickets for lesson one every single time. <laughs> if, we, if we don't acknowledge the fact that the anger is within us, what is our first thing that we're going to do? Point to another person. Yeah, we're going to blame shift. We're going to look to the other person. It's always going to be their fault. So they can never be right eventually. Because if we're always heaping it on them and not accepting any responsibility for ourselves... This relationship can't move forward because he's always wrong. Works for me. (laughs) But biblically, that's not how we're taught to handle conflict. So why do we need to understand this in order to deal with uh, properly with anger? And certainly anger is expressed in a lot of different uh, ways. Uh, men, I think that our first uh, reaction to problems is anger. I mean, that's our that's our default button is anger. Um, as I f- think back when I was a young man many years ago, now <laughs> I dealt with anger a lot differently. I mean, I would just blow up, and whatever came out of my mouth is what came out, and you know, I really didn't care at that point. But as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more sophisticated. So, especially now that I'm a pastor, I can't uh, get angry like I used to. So it's a little bit more subtle. You know, maybe it's I give somebody the cold shoulder. It's kind of like they offended me, so I'm not necessarily going to, you know, get back with them right away that I, that I should. So it, it's a little bit more subtle. It can be, you know, I'm going to turn the cold shoulder to you. You know, I'm going to make you, I'm going to punish you a little bit for what you did. And I want you to know that, you know, you upset me with this. So, but I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to scream at you. So we do tend, we all have a temperament and we do have a way that we display it with one another. And so obviously that affects uh, in our marriages. And it comes, certainly comes from the, uh, from the desires that we have with inside. We're all sinners. I mean, we are sinners. And when, as Paul Tripp said, you know, I have my law. This is my law. This is what I want you to obey. And when you don't obey my law, I'm upset. And I'm going to let you know about that. So, any other thoughts on that question? Let's jump to the third one. Uh, Discuss some of the ways that anger often manifests itself in marriage. So obviously I'm looking for a little bit of a testimony. You've got to be a little transparent here to uh, talk about this one. But how does it manifest itself in your particular marriage or in how you deal with, uh, how it manifests itself with uh, anger? Anybody brave enough to say anything? We've got some microphones in the back so we can hear you. Okay. One of us <laughs> is an excellent cold shoulder. And one of us wants to talk about it immediately with no time to be able to process. He needs time to process. I like to hit it immediately. If we do it that way, it usually results in bigger conflict. 
because I've not had time to process properly, right? I'm just confronting. I've not had time to really examine my own heart, look at myself, be in prayer over it. I'm just doing, as Paul Tripp pointed out, the DNA of sin is selfishness. So that's usually the place where I'm operating from, my selfishness. And consequently, the flip side, same thing for him. He's not had time to process it and even come at it from his own vantage point. So now we're really butting heads. So that's our story in a nutshell. (laughs) Anybody else? I see you. He said, tell your story. I said, I don't get angry. (laughs) Actually, I think um, our situation is more, if there's any an issue, if there's ever an issue, it's more kind of just kind of the silent treatment. Um, Probably not. I try to find out, I try to analyze it a little bit myself to, to actually grasp what is going on. Back it up scripturally or whatever I need to do, you know, through prayer and make sure it's not me or it is me, you know, and I need to um, find out exactly what it is I'm worried about or excited about or whatever. So uh, keeping the communication open is definitely um, a key. Okay, let's look at question four. First Peter four eight tells us to keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. What advice would you offer to another couple about choosing which issues to address and which ones to overlook? So, what what advice would you give another couple? On what issues to address and which ones to overlook? And I will tell you, this is a key issue. And if we can't if we can't learn how to deal with issues with one another, then it's going to be very difficult. Again, it's going to lead to that isolation. So, is there anybody brave enough to talk about this one? Uh, to me, I look at marriage as like a garden. If it's a really important weed that needs to be pulled out, it needs to be removed. Some people think of roses as weeds. Some people think of dandelions as weeds. So you have to judge each situation as how important it is to the relationship that you're involved with. That's the way I look at it because there's some major weeds that need to be dealt with and there's some minor ones like clover that can wait a little bit. So if you can, if you can judge those distinctions I think you'd be on the right path. Thank you. Any others? You know, drawing on that analogy, you know, with the weeds, um, one thing about weeds, too, is if you just pluck it from the top, you've not dealt with the root. It's going to keep coming back over and over and over and some of you are smirking and shaking your heads and I know it's because in our marriages we have things that we deal with over 
and over and over. And it's because we've probably not addressed the root sin issue. Or we're just nitpicking at every little thing that's really not even a sin issue. But we're just letting these little things drive us nuts. So we're always throwing it out there. And then it just becomes that habit trail that we're circling on constantly. So picking out what's important, not only addressing it, but addressing its root issue so that it doesn't keep coming back. And I would, uh, Tony? They don't just come back. They come back bigger and bigger. I know that from picking dandelions and seeing a bigger root, bigger dandelion every time if I don't get it all the way down. Thank you. Rocky in the back. One of the things is with uh, in a relationship, you're going to find all kinds of things to argue about, and you're always pointing fingers at each other. So Tony will be here. If Tony was here, she'd tell you yourself. We both used to say, well, okay, God fix him. You know, work on him. Get him together. You know, he, I need to pray for him to get fixed. And I would do the same. I'd keep saying, well, you know what, God, I'm trying to do what you want me to do. Why don't you fix her? But the bottom line is we have to give it to God. And that's the hardest part. When we let it go and give it to God and let God work, things will change. But the most important thing is giving it to God and not pointing fingers at each other and focusing on yourself because that's what's most important because we both have a part in any relationship of what's causing problems. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Rocky. Huh? Okay. So certainly the most important issue is, is it a sin issue? I mean, if it's a sin issue, then we need to confront one another in love. And we need to be able to do it uh, in a loving manner. But certainly if it's a matter of preference. I mean, we've been married in January. It'll be 35 years. And I can tell you, I mean, you know, earlier in our marriage, I mean, we would argue about some of the, I mean, the stupidest things. I mean, really, when we look back on it, it's like, what did we benefit? What did we gain by sitting there, you know, squabbling over this issue or that issue? And again, I mean, some of it was, I just didn't appreciate the differences uh, that we had, that were God-given. The things that, that Tracy brought to the marriage, I looked at maybe as competition at, at certain points, at, at different times. So we would, we would argue about that. But as we started going through our marriage, and I mean, we still obviously get in, in uh, disagreements, but uh, hopefully our, our tone and the, um, the subjects that we end up uh, disagreeing out are much, they've been minimized through the years. But we've really got to be able to get to the point where we need to be able to really look at the issue and decide, is this a sin issue that we, I need to confront my spouse over? Or is this just a preference issue that I have that I can overlook? But really we need to get to the point where love covers a multitude of sins. And we're there, we're on the same team. And so it doesn't benefit either one of us to be able to uh, squabble, squabble about certain things. And certainly if you have children, your children see this. Okay, so you're modeling this in front of them, and that makes a big difference uh, for them and what they will accept uh, in their lives as well. It is, it's, a, it's after, a little after 12. I don't think anyone else is let out. So I'll tell you what, let's just go through one more question, and then we'll... Uh, uh, we'll just leave it there until uh, next week. I can't tell if they're telling us they're out or they're not out. Are they out or not out? We can't tell what you're saying. They're out. Okay. 
drought. Okay, let's just handle this one here. Uh, number seven, explain the difference between winning an argument and resolving conflict. So can you tell us the difference between winning an argument and resolving conflict? Uh, to me, when you uh, resolve a contract, a conflict, you both agree that that is the best solution for your marriage. Winning an argument, one person can still have hurt feelings even though you won the argument. The way I look at it is, if both of you agree this is a problem and this is the best solution to handle our problems, we resolve the conflict. There's no more conflict. It's, all, it's done and finished. Thank you. Any others? Okay, now I just want to warn you, next week, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's really not about winning. I think that's the first thing you've got to establish, is it's not who wins this argument. You have a position, they have a position. You feel you're right. You're going to defend it to the last you need to approach it immediately with the understanding that I'm not going to win this argument. I'm going to listen. I'm going to establish my my point, but they're just as justified in their position. Don't approach it to win. Approach it to understand each other. Okay, very good. Thank you, Jeremy. Let's get ready to say that uh, next week we are going to be in uh, session five, which is Love Sizzles, Experiencing Real Intimacy. So I just want to say, hopefully you come prepared to talk next week, because it's going to be a real long week next week if you're not going to participate. So with that, I look forward to seeing you next week, and we will uh, be in session five. Thank you.